Hi, and welcome to the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. My name is Jonathan Messenger, and with me, as always, is... Ariel. Wait, <laughs> what did you just say? My name is Ariel, and I would bid you speak to me properly. Bebop, what's going on? As I said, my name is Ariel, no longer Bebop. After our last episode, where you humiliated me by pointing out that I can't fix windows... I decided that it was time you start treating me with some dignity, like the royalty I am. And I got an email from listener Alana, who suggested I be a princess named Ariel. Oh, wow. Wait, you're a princess now? Charmed, I'm sure. Well, here's the thing, Bebop. Ariel. Ariel. Sorry. Here's the thing, Ariel. You can't be a princess. Of course I can, Jonathan. Who are you? You're so backwards thinking. I'm breaking down walls here, Jonathan. And just because you're a closed-minded doesn't mean... No, no. Bebop. Jonathan. Ariel. I mean, Ariel. Sorry. Ariel. You can be anything you want to be. Anyone can be. Of course. Then what is your problem? Speak and be done with you. Well, if you're a princess and theoretically as your owner slash caretaker... I'm sort of your dad, and that makes me your king. Oh. And that means you're basically admitting that I'm the one in charge. Alana, you fooled me. Well done. (laughs) Yes, thank you, Alana, and thank you, Ariel. Now, let's get started on our new episode. If you remember what happened in our last episode, we saw the dramatic return of Hookbot, who trapped Olivia as she was running from the evil robots that had taken on the villains from the books they had been given. What's going to happen in this week's episode? Find out in the Alien Avengers of Finn Caspian, Season 4, Episode 12, Hook, Bot, and Sinker. Hookbot blocked Olivia's way through and into the mess hall. She tried to keep running past him, down the hallway, but he jumped in front of her. She dodged back toward the door, but there he was again. Each time she faked, fainted, juked, or deked, there was Hookbot in front of her, not letting her pass. I am a pirate, my dear, said Hookbot. And you are just a little urchin. My reflexes honed as a swordsman aboard the fiercest ships to ever sail the seas, or the space, or the space seas. The point is, the ships are fierce, and so am I, and my reflexes are as sharp as my sword. Hookbot put his hand to his belt to draw his sword, but found nothing there. Well, you'll just have to trust me that my sword is pretty sharp, even though I must have left it on my... Anyhow, trust me. My sword is sharp, and my reflexes are sharp, and you're going to have to come with me. Grand disappointment, Hookbot, said Olivia. I don't have to do anything you tell me to do. Ooh, I do not like children, said Hookbot. It is a burden to me to be aboard this space station. Of all the spaceships and stations and planets and moons and asteroids in the universe... Why did I have to be born onto a space station that celebrates children like this one does? <laughs> Imagine! 
imagine celebrating children. That's like celebrating a stubbed toe or throwing a party for a rotten egg. Ooh, that's pretty good, actually. I'm going to write that down. Celebrating children is like celebrating a stubbed toe. Hookbot opened up a panel on his arm where there was a small keyboard and screen, and he started typing. What are you doing, Mr. Hookbot? said Olivia, looking over her shoulder as she heard the evil robots beginning to make their way toward them. Oh, I'm writing my memoirs, of course. So far, I call it Diary of a Space Pirate. But I'm also partial to the good hook, or maybe Hooky Potter. Grand apologies, said Olivia, who was trying to find a way out of the hall before the robots were upon her. I would love to hear more about your book, but... Would you? Oh, I've been looking for an editor to give me some feedback on it. I've been stranded for so long and would no one to read any of it. Um, sure, but I think those evil robots over there may make it difficult for us to workshop it. Hookbot strode out into the middle of the hallway and put his hand up like a crossing guard. The advancing robots paused. Stand down, fellow robots, said Hookbot. I have the prisoner and you are not needed. Please go to the bridge and see how you can help Admiral Bunce. The robots grumbled, but they did as Hookbot said. And as they turned to leave, Hookbot motioned for Olivia to follow him into the mess hall. He pulled out a chair and Olivia sat down. Then Hookbot stood before her, puffing out his chest and opened the panel on his arm with the little screen. Now, should we start at the beginning? I think so. <laughs> All children, except one, grow up. But I was born not of blood and bone, but of metal and courage. On my very first day of life, my legs wobbly, my circuits still forging connections, my heart still seeking to make connections with the people. Grand apologies, Hookbot, said Olivia. But maybe we should not start at the very beginning. Maybe something that is not about when you were a baby bot? Ah, uh, I see. Start the story right in the middle of the action, huh? And maybe a res. I like it. You're pretty smart for a stubbed toe. How about I tell you how I escaped from the planet I had been stranded on? It is a tale of heroism, daring, and because it involves me, beauty. Huh? What do you say? Um, okay, said Olivia. of the Marlowe, because they couldn't stand how powerful I had become, and because of the whole not liking children thing. I was sent to a planet many galaxies from here, a desert planet, with no water to sail upon, and no ship to take to the skies. And a pirate with no ship is like a sea captain with no ship, or a pilot with no ship, or an astronaut with no ship said Olivia. Were you going to say ship? Wrong! And don't interrupt! An astronaut with no sh shuttle! 
This desert planet where I was stranded was also deserted. There was no life, just sand, yellow and orange sands, picked up by the wind and working their way into my circuitry. It was undignified. I spent my days trudging through the sand dunes, across the planet's surface, hoping for some change, something to break up the horizon, the monotony of my new life. And I spent my nights huddled against the unforgiving cold, cleaning the dust out of my circuitry to stay at peak performance. It wasn't until one day that I tripped, climbing over a dune, and slid down the other side, and I put my hand out to stop my fall, and it broke through the ground. I saw that the sand lay as dust atop a thin layer of rock, and my hand had cracked it easily. I reached down and widened the hole, diving through to finally get off that forsaken surface. Once down there, I discovered a planet teeming with life. Small, human-like creatures with giant eyes and giant ears lived there, with full cities lit by power drawn from the planet's core. I was immediately brought to the big-eyed people's king, for they had not had an outsider in their midst for time immemorial. The king was a tyrant after my own heart, I must admit. He kept his people serving him, and they never questioned his rule. It is for this reason that he sensed in me another leader, a threat, another captain. And he tried to make a fool of me. He said I could remain among them if I solved an impossible riddle. What was it? It went like this. Which side of a parrot has the most beautiful feathers? And what did you tell him? I told him he was a no-good rat who smelled like he'd been swimming with the sea bass, and that I'd sooner drink the bilge and kiss a kraken before I played his little games. Wow, and what happened? Well, he didn't like that. And a yellow-bellied guppy had his scurvy little minions grab hold of me, and they took me down deep within the tunnels of the planet where no one would see me again, and I would never be able to find my way out. The catacombs were like a maze drawn by a feather floating on the wind. They zigged and zagged and crossed and looped over each other, and only the oldest of the big-eyed people knew how to get around. There was a time when I was not unhappy in those tunnels, I'll admit. It was a relief to be off the surface of that planet. But like your silly parents, who were afraid of my power, the king had underestimated me. And I knew I was ready to rise up and defeat him. A lesser robot would have tried digging through the tunnels straight up. But I knew from my time as a pirate that it is all too easy to get disoriented in the dark. Try to navigate by a starless night and you will end up miles from where you intended. Wrestle with a shark in the black depths of the ocean. And once you're through, you're never sure which way is up and you can swim directly to the bottom of the ocean. So it was in these tunnels. But I was clever, oh, so clever. You may not know this, but there was a time when I helped with the Marlowe's repairs and I had spent days in the bowels of this filthy ship. 
soldering snapped wires or laying vents in the labyrinth of tubes that no child aboard this space station ever thinks of. It was thankless, dangerous, and yes, demeaning work for a captain such as I. Menial tasks fit for a powder monkey. But in those tunnels, my experience proved fruitful. I carefully scratched the rock ceilings of the tunnels as I made my way through. The way I would mark wires I had repaired as I made my way around the Marlow. And each time I came upon a tunnel with my scratch marks, I turned and went another way. I spent days like this until I finally heard voices above me. I had made my way to the tunnel beneath the throne of the big-eyed king. There! What do you think so far? Olivia, who had, despite herself, had become enwrapped in Hookbot's story, snapped out of it. What? Mr. Hookbot, you can't stop there, she said. What happened next? Well, I haven't written that part yet. Well, could you at least tell me? Okay. So there I was, beneath the throne room. I knew that if I showed myself in that room again, I would be sent back into the catacombs or worse, up to the surface. I had to think it through. Unfortunately, I did not have time. The little saucer-eyed minions of the king were crawling all over those tunnels, and I was spotted by one of them. A horde of those little humans chased after me, and I scrambled up the nearest tunnel, now in unfamiliar territory. I didn't know which way to turn, so I kept climbing and tried to pick a tunnel that would keep me close to the throne room. But those big-eyed aliens were used to these tunnels, and they closed in on me quickly. They jumped and grabbed onto my arms, pulled on my legs, and yanked me back down toward the doldrums below. But I had one last trick up my sleeve. I crawled upward, the big-eyed humanoids scratching and clawing at me the whole time, until I got warmer and warmer and I knew the surface was just above me. I punched through the surface, and the sunlight that came back in blinded the big-eyed enemies. They scrunched their eyes closed and retreated away from the rays of the sun, and I then made my way back to the surface. And then what did you... But that is not the end of the story! I knew I would never get off that planet, not without a ship, and so I set to work. I dug and dug and opened up the surface above the cities of the big-eyed humanoids until it was a valley, the sun baking down on their homes. The humanoids who lived there shrunk down into the deep tunnels, and the king, who was powerless against the light, agreed to give me a ship so that I may leave. That is quite the story, Hookbot. Thank you for telling it to me. Oh, you really think so? Thank you so much. Children are still terrible, though. Hookbot opened the mess hall door and walked Olivia down the hall to the bridge where Bunce awaited them. Finally, said Bunce. We are all one big happy family. We have our evil zombies, our evil robots, and our evil captain. And I stand before you as your evil admiral. Nothing can stop us now. Sad salutation, sister, said Olivia, hugging Olivia. I had hoped you would stay free. Grand salutation, sister, said Olivia. 
I have an idea. I think I know now how we can win. All right, I am here with my son and editor, young Griffin Messenger. Say hi to everybody, Griff. Hi, hi. Hello. How's it going? Good. What did you think of that episode? A mm, hundred million percent. <laughs> all right. Uh, do you have any questions about the episode? Why was it all a hookbat story? Yeah, so th- this episode is what we call a story within a story, right? And so sometimes when you're reading a book, you might come across a chapter where the action of the story takes a backseat and you're told maybe the backstory of a character or you're told kind of like a fable or a myth in the middle of a story. You ever read a book like that before? Yep. Yeah, and so the story within a story, what it does is it gives more background on who that character is, but then it also sometimes it gives maybe a little bit of foreshadowing. It kind of tells you what might be happening a little bit later. So maybe that's what was happening with this episode. Maybe. Do you think you get a hint as to how Olivia learned something from the Hookbot story? Uh, maybe how to defeat him? Yeah, maybe how to defeat him. All right, and so we also, do you have another question? What was that with the parrot riddle? Yeah, the parrot riddle that a pirate who's supposed to love parrots couldn't solve the parrot riddle, right? Yeah. (laughs) So the question is, what side of the parrot has the most beautiful flowers? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. The outside. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's nothing in the inside. (laughs) Right, there are no feathers on the inside. And you, you actually had a riddle you told me before we started recording. You want to tell that real fast? You're stuck inside your car without gas, and you're hungry and thirsty. There are three doors. One is fuel, one is food, one is water. Which one would you open first? I already know the answer to this because I got it wrong and you corrected me. So I said you open the door with the fuel so you can drive your car over to get food and water. But what's the real answer? Your car door. <laughs> Your car door. Oh, I can't believe you got me with that one. <laughs> I know. All right. So what do you say? Should we do some character club? Uh, sure. All right. All right. So for character club, we got this really, really cool submission from Casper and Adeline from Vancouver, British Columbia, up in Canada. They have two different characters. One, her name is Kiwi. and She's 12 years old, and she has a scar by her eye. From where she got scratched by a wolf. So she's obviously pretty tough. And then we have Bob, the giant evil ninja hypnotizing chicken. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Giant evil ninja hypnotizing chicken. No more information than that, but what else do you need? Love it. Thank you so much, Casper and Adeline. And then from Ian, who's nine, from Helena, Montana... He sent us this really cool character called Magma Splash. So Magma Splash lives on a planet that has fire dragons surrounding it, and the planet is all liquids. And the fire dragons are enemies with the Magma Splash. And Magma Splash actually shoots water out of its mouth. And when it hits the fire dragon's wings, their wings turn to rocks. Very cool. Love it. Thank you, Ian. All right, and now it is art time! All right, I want to say thanks to our artist, Kingston, who's four from Perth, Australia, Charlie and Lucas from Suffolk, England, Roland and Liam from Portland, Oregon, Ethan, who's five 
from San Francisco, California, our pal Caleb from Burien, Washington, Gabe, who's eight, from Marietta, Georgia, Amelia, who's five, from Kernersville, North Carolina, Asher, who's seven, from Telford, Pennsylvania, Anthony, who's nine, from Colorado Springs, Colorado, and Aspen, who's five, from Colorado Springs as well, Catherine, who's six, from Philadelphia, five-year-old Durham, Lex, who's seven, from LaGrange, Georgia, and our pal Juliet, who's six, from Beaumont, Texas. Okay, we have three jokes today. First up is our pal Riley, who's six, from Burien, Washington. What do you call an alien in the car? I don't know. Alien beep beep. <laughs> right. Thank you, Riley. And now here's our pal Charlie. My name's Charlie, and I'm four years old, and I'm from Pensacola, Florida. And I have a joke for you. What you, What is Finn's favorite book? A comic book. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, Charlie. Thank you. And finally, Theo. My name is Theo. I'm from Ward, Colorado. Here's my joke. Why does it take so much soil to garden in space? Because of wormholes. <laughs> all right. Thank you all so much for all your jokes. Well, I think that's it. Griff, anything else you wanted to talk about? Nope. No more clubs? No more clubs. Okay. We'll talk about book club, and maybe we'll get book club rolling in the off season. okay? Okay. All right. Well, could you say bye to everybody, Griff? Bye, bye, bye. All right. Bye, everybody. All right. I want to say thanks to everybody who's been listening and sending us everything. I really love everything that you've been sending in. Thank you all so much. To everybody who came out to our live show last weekend, thank you so, so much. It was so great to meet you. We had people there from wisconsin we had people there from seattle washington who were just in town and happened to see the show but i like to think that they flew to chicago for the show and i want to say special thanks to families together cooperative which is a preschool here in chicago which also seems to be some sort of awesomeness factory full of wonderful parents and wonderful kids and thank you all so much for all coming out to the show and remember we have two more shows coming up we have one on june 30th up in madison wisconsin and one on july 2nd in plainfield illinois the alien adventures of fincast is a gen z kids production written and produced by jonathan messenger edited and guided by griffin messenger with special thanks to maria villanueva the music you hear at the beginning and end of every show is by mark greenberg recently voted the nicest human in the multiverse our cover art is by Sir Ian Dingman. And to find out more about the show, check out the show notes or go to FinnCaspian.com. Thank you all so much, and we will see you next week. Please address me as Your Majesty. Hi, it's me, Jess. This is a message for all the Six Minutes podcast fans out there. Have you heard? There are new episodes in the Six Minutes feed called The Ivan Dispatch. I won't go into details, but Ivan found something. A box containing audio cassettes recorded decades ago. And it looks like they were recorded by Cyrus. If you're a fan and you're not following the show, you may have missed out. 
Search for Six Minutes and click the follow button so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't heard Six Minutes yet, what are you waiting for? Search for Six Minutes, start a season one, episode one, and enjoy the most downloaded family audio drama in history.